You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. This is another Brata episode. Do you remember what that means? That's a Jamaican Patwa term for extra, a little bit more, bonus. So this is a Brata episode. The last Brata episode on this podcast was October 4th of last year with Dr. Sunjiata, formerly Dr. Scott Speed. It was one of those times where I had a very specific set of things that I wanted to share with you, but something came up in between episodes that I had to get to you. So you get Brata, you get bonus. <laughs> so this is a Brata episode. Episode 100 will be aired on September 30th, which by the way is International Podcast Day. Yeah. So I'm so excited. I'm putting the bits and pieces together for that episode and it's going to be co-hosted with Chris Richards, my boo. <laughs> I love saying that to him. You can't see my face when I say my boo. I might have to post a picture on Instagram. But anyway, this Brata episode is with a repeat guest. It is Malika Diggs. She was on episode 44 back in July of last year, July 7th, I believe. And we have another really good conversation that I knew I needed to share. Malika Diggs is in Philly. She runs the Eclectic Learning Network. Her focus is on being able to offer support for young people's passion and interests, but not at the expense of their culture and identity. So she focuses on the needs of black and brown families inside homeschooling and unschooling communities. Malika herself is an unschooling mama of two. She and her husband embrace this work of unschooling and de-schooling with their daughters. And again, episode 44 is where you can get a little bit of the backstory. But today, this Brata opportunity <laughs> is so that we can talk a little bit about a few things that Malika and I felt were so important to address right now this season. One of them is, of course, her commitment to passion and interest, not at the expense of culture and identity. And we also want to talk about discomfort and some de-schooling things. So you're going to hear, we're going to talk a little bit about liberation work, of course, and how in some of our communities it is tied to financial freedom but at the expense of some other freedoms, i.e. the ways that we can tuck our children into school systems for, you know, this hope of financial freedom, but at the expense of all these other freedoms, you know, and what we can start doing about that. She also has an annual conference. This one's in October. She's going to tell you all about it. And we're going to talk about the conversations that we need to start having in support of black and brown families in homeschooling and unschooling communities. So. I had to get this in. It's going to be good. The show notes page for today's episode is raisingfreepeople.com forward slash ELN, as in Eclectic Learning Network. So I have a couple of big things, but the one thing that's my overarching theme for me this this moment is preparing for the second annual Homeschool and Explorers Day Camp Conference at the Academy of Natural Sciences on Monday, October 15th. And um, my theme is calling out the elephant in the room. Um, we are going to be talking about creating racial equity in homeschooling. 
It's something that I have recognized over the years and uh, it has grown exponentially. And I think it's highly due to the number uh, with to the large percentage of people of color who are transitioning to homeschooling and looking at spaces and realizing that they are all, if not some, but all predominantly white spaces mm-hmm. that are not equipped or aware of how to connect and create an inclusive space for young people who do not represent their in-group or who are not religious of any kind. Many families who decide to transition to homeschooling for whatever their reasons, finding curriculum, figuring out people to connect with, um, those things to me come pretty, they can be pretty easy. What's not outwardly present is what that emotional state is going to be, that transition, whether you have a young person who was in a brick and mortar learning institution or whether you started from the beginning, it's something that is not very present. And that is understanding yourself in a new space, in a space of liberation, in a space of you don't have to look for a book to define what your day is going to be like. And that's really heavy. Yes. And a lot of people tend to ignore that and say, well, as long as my child has X, Y, and Z, I'm okay. And as lovely as that sentiment is, it's not going to work years and years and years, years down the line. For me and what Eclectic Learning Network does, it's not just about finding those neat programs or recommending a curriculum because Eclectic Learning Network leans more to unschooling. So I'm not going to recommend a curriculum for you, but maybe I can recommend you to a place that would. But we will explore what the passions and interests are of the young people who are involved and create programs based on that, that are inspired by what their true needs are and that represent their cultural identity as much as possible, as well as their passions and interests. So with this conference, it's not going to be your typical conference of go to this room for this talk, go to that room for that talk. No, we're just going to go in in one room and we're going to put it all on the table. (laughs) And it's really about parents shedding those layers as much as possible. A lot of people sometimes look at these conferences or workshops as a solution. Like you're going to walk out and just have all the answers you need. But for me, I am really just providing considerations. What would it look like if, and how can we as a community be better to ourselves and to those that are within us to some capacity with the spaces that are here and nearby as well-intentioned as each one is, And what they showcase, the models are fantastic. There's still that missing component of, so how are you serving your black and brown students who also have this same desire and passion? It's more than window dressing a mission statement to say we're inclusionary or we're this and we're that. No, there has to be some real frontline work that's being done when it comes to facilitators, when it comes to having a presence of people of color on the board. So that decisions and the needs of our black and brown people are met from the top down and not having to deal with constant complaints from parents who do not feel like their children or themselves are being served. Thank you so so much for all (laughs) of that. Like this, and and you and I were talking a little bit too earlier, Malika, about how this thing is happening 
in so many spaces, right? Yes. It's like this, the, the way that we escape it from school, really school is just a microcosm of, or macro, <laughs> of yes. the, the different ways that it is showing up in various entities, including inside homes. <laughs> yeah. Know, there's this sort of way where people react to blackness yes. or react yes. to indigeneity, react to these things in ways that uh, it's like, it never occurred to you until something shows up. And then when the thing shows up, you treat it like a fire in a yes. sense when it really, if you are talking about actual inclusion and actual equity, then you have to be proactive about it and you can't be proactive about it by yourselves. And, and by you, I mean, white people, you know, mm-hmm. you can't be proactive about it by yourselves. You know, I'm seeing this in, yes. I mentioned the homeschoolers um, association of, California, that there's a lot of work that's happening right now because they have had a predominantly white board and that the the person of color or persons of color who have kind of been on or off the board, I'm still, I'm just now getting the details, but there isn't real, the sense of representation by the people that the organization actually serves is not there. You have all of these black and brown mamas who are saying, and fathers who are saying, wait a minute, we don't see ourselves in the leadership. We don't see ourselves in the things that are coming forward that address, yes, these things address the broad scope of homeschooling issues in terms of legality or this or that. But what about the specific ways that our identity and our culture and those needs are stopped or the ways that they need to happen in order to thrive? Like you, you can't know that by trying to find one black speaker for an event or, you know, or to read the book on equity and then put out a video about it. You need to be working with people of color who are committed to the work. You have to be willing to bring people in as consultants who are not there to make you look better or, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to explain your stance to the black and brown folks who are pissed off at you, but more so to actually work towards exactly what you said, Malika. I love how you're like, you're not going to walk away with the three steps of whatever. I'm saying, what might this look like if we came at it from this angle? What might this look like if it was actually inclusive? Not the idea of inclusion, but if it was actually inclusive and you were willing to be uncomfortable, you celebrated your discomfort as a white person working in a space to create this sort of equity around education and living. If you celebrated yes. your discomfort because you understood that that was how you could grow and you worked with yes. people of color in accordance with that, how much different might this thing look? Exactly. And I see so many young people who are yearning to just experience. And sometimes that gets stopped short because of this quote unquote thing, this taboo topic that no one wants to speak about. Well, if yeah. we're as, if we as adults don't want to speak about it, then how does anyone feel like that's going to impact their children? Mm-hmm. And I totally get that, you know, no one wants their children to deal with the harsh realities of the world, air mm-hmm. quotes on all of that. Um, <laughs> it's just the reality, whether it be harsh, good or not. I would, what I feel is much more harsh is to not make those introductions exactly. and allow your children to live in this place of unknown. 
this bubble of beauty and like frolic in the sun. Like that's, that's <laughs> not what this is. There are mm-hmm. people every day, every day I walk out my house, I'm a walking protest. I got to prove, I got to wonder, I got to be aware no for every single thing I do. That's right. So it is a matter of life or death for me for every decision that I make, because I don't know if there is going to be a tomorrow, but I know that today I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it as best as we can. And I'm going to reach out to as many people who are open enough to sit down and have this real conversation. Because if we continue not to have it, and if our voices continue not to be heard, I'm not really sure how much further we're going to get. Thank you. So we're talking continuous generational generations of trauma that's going to continue. And as much as I carry my transgenerational trauma, it stops here. That's right. It and you're doing the work. Here to really actualize that stoppage, right? Because we talk a lot about it stopping here, but you know what I hear a lot from us? And Mm -hmm. and I'm talking to us because this is who I'm usually talking to. That's why I make the distinction when I'm talking to white people (laughs) because usually I'm talking to us. One of the main things that we equate liberation with money, right? Mm, Which is why, yes, which is why we can tuck our children into these systems, even if they're not in school. Right. We can turn oh, yes. them into these systems of oppression and be like, la la, again, I'm, I just want them to be free. I want them to be happy. And that's why I have this financial freedom and da da da. If we are talking about liberation, we cannot stop at financial freedom. This idea of the generations of trauma mm-hmm. cannot just be linked to poverty. It also has to be linked to identity. This is, this is what <laughs> location and identity. And I don't just mean your physical location, but that's a part of it. How does my location reflect or reject my identity? How is my identity uh, defined and understood and defined by me, not just people's ideas? That's why we talk about race being a social construct. Yes, the fuck it is, but it is also very much cultural. It is also deeply, it goes beyond the color of my skin. Yes, the the treatments. The treatment, exactly, the experiences. That, yes. that I have in these spaces are, are what link me to blackness and so and brownness and all these things that are othered, that are constantly yes. othered. And so if I'm looking at ways to really focus on liberation for my children and for myself, then I cannot, I cannot segment it to focus on money. I have to look at identity. I have to yes. look at location. I have to look at ways that that is that that things are in the way of that and have these uncomfortable conversations about what this needs to look like, even if it feels like I'm taking away my child's blissful childhood, because what you're talking about is not bliss. It's ignorance. Yes, pure ignorance. And um, there's there's only so far that will go. I mean, and it's everyone's scared. I get that. But what's really scary is knowing that you're raising young people with this conditioned state of mind that you've adopted from years and years ago, whether it's white is right, whether it's don't rock the boat, whether it's we're going to fight. Each one of those has a consequence. But if we're going to lead in truth, truth isn't always happy. It is what it is. And Mm. many people have a hard time getting past that. And honestly, a lot of the things that I I was pondering this whole conference uh, since the last conference of what it was going to look like. And out of all the experiences that I've had, it really came out in the playground. Hmm. I'm watching these kids 
I'm watching them connect of all different backgrounds. Sometimes it's all the same group. Sometimes it's our people and sometimes it's a mixture. And what I'm hearing from our young people and what I'm seeing from their parents, allowing them, like not even remotely looking like this is something that is worth interjecting. This is something that I should be confronting right now. It's, oh, you have to under like excuse after excuse for, oh, well, they're just babies. No, they learn this from somewhere. So let's address it. I don't care what the intention is. No one's really examining what the impact is on the person that they are giving it to. I don't care. Oh, I didn't mean it. But are you really taking the moment to see how your words and your actions impacted the person you were speaking to? Right. If you're not going to do that, then we have a huge problem. So yeah. this conference is all about people who actually have a problem with it. <laughs> if you don't have a problem with it, then by all means, do you. I will never stop anyone from being whatever they believe their best self to be. Right. But here in the space that I'm really doing all the work for, not just on my half or my family's behalf, but for all of us, yes. whether we are far away from each other, like you and I, or whether it's a neighbor, it doesn't matter because if we're all coming together, then for me, that speaks more volume. Exactly. If most of us step up to the table and say, you know what? No, this can't go on. I'm not going to be afraid. And I'm not going to look at people of color as a monolith. My That's experience right. is my experience, but talk to another person and you're going to hear a different tune. Neither one is wrong. It is our truth That's and we right. should be able to stand in it. And every person who comes through should be able to respect it. Yes. And and one of the things that I love so much about the way that the work shows up for you, Malika, is that this conference really is almost like one small part of the work that you're doing every day, right in and around your city. Right? Yes. This is not about like lumping all of it into this one thing and then divvying out the work. Like all of it is happening it's almost like this is an amalgam in a sense and also a sliver yes. because it could never encompass fully, but it does allow you to say, let's tap into the work at this level, but there's also all these other ways to continue to do the work. Yes. This is what's so important about Eclectic Learning Network that it, it, it isn't this idea like, okay, we need to all get together to try to come up with solutions and then spend the rest of our time in these silos trying to, to figure out how to implement. No, it's happening on a daily basis. You do w- workshops. You're out in, you know, different collectives. You have this collective itself where people are out in nature. We're having conversations that are harder mm-hmm. to have indoors, like things like that, that people don't even think about, you know, different opportunities yes. for people to be heard and not feel like they have, they are, uh, centering themselves in ways that are scary or new. There's so much stuff that is happening. That needs to happen for us to get comfortable with the work. And I wonder, because I know you are so rooted in it, and because I know that there are folks who listen and who message me all the time that say, oh, I'm so inspired by this, or I'm so inspired by that. Like, how can I start doing the work? I wonder, Malika, if you have anything Mm. for for that person. And I know this is a heavy question, but whatever is Mm. present for you. How can someone just start doing the work? You're in your city, you're in your physical location, you are seeing the conflict between location and identity for you and yours. What can someone do to just kind of get out of that cloud and start to move towards something different maybe? Mm. 
I mean, the things for me that come to mind at the moment, one, my, my overarching theme for everything that I do is build relationships in any way that I can. Um, whether it's connecting with someone virtually, whether it's going someplace I haven't gone before. And I don't mean relationships in the sense of, oh, we aces and everything's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, build relationships that give you a broader understanding of what's ailing you, of yeah. what's stopping you. And if the answer is no, then my question always is, but why not? If you can address the why. So if there is something that a parent is struggling to understand for themselves, follow up with, but why not? What's stopping me from moving forward? How can I do this? If what's stopping you, if the, if the response starts off with, well, X amount of years ago, this blah, 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 then that's baggage. That's straight baggage. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that the baggage isn't valuable, but that means that that's something that you have to unpack and figure out what it is. Because even in the midst of the most chaotic and traumatizing, there's always a gem. There's a gem for you to take from that that can propel you to the next level. And it's okay to be uncomfortable. And sometimes what you have to do is just pause. We're all kind of connected to this internet, this world where everything comes in nanoseconds, whatever responses you need. Mm-hmm. And this work is millions of nanoseconds, <laughs> billions of nanoseconds. And sometimes you have to pause enough to be able to support yourself. If you're not pausing, if your cup is empty, I'm not sure what you're going to be able to comfortably and efficiently do for yourself or for your children or for those around you. Yes. So that relationship building component is both an external thing and an internal thing. And it's simultaneous. It's messy and beautiful. Here's the thing, right? Because neither of us are saying First, you have to have an awakening and really have a knowledge. Oh, itself. no, that's bullshit. I want to be real clear that that is not what yeah. we're saying. Yes. Yo, not at all. Not at yes. all. I mean, some of that stuff just kind of happens. Yep. And, um, and many times I think we're just so conditioned to when we feel that, that resistance to what we want, yeah. that resistance of what we need is trying to come in to say, this is what you got to attack right yeah. now. I know you want all the fruits and flowers, but this right here is what you need to attack. And no matter what you try and do to bypass it, put it under the carpet, whatever term works for, Mm -hmm. I'm a bookshelf that and come back to that later. It's always going to be there. You got to get to it. If you're really willing to be uncomfortable, like be uncomfortably comfortable. Yes. Right. Because that's where the real answers come. Like you can't go around and tell a whole (laughs) bunch of people how they need to lead their lives when you're leading your own life astray. And that's hand in hand with doing this work as an unschooling mom and just navigating through this world of liberation and questioning what I see, not for the sake of questioning, but like, no, does this really make sense for me and my family? That's right. And that's all, that's really all unschooling is. It is giving yourself the power to question things, to question things and simultaneously to trust things. Not yes. not trusting the same things that you question necessarily, but oh, yeah, no. right. But trusting <laughs> in yourself, um, trusting yes. in the process, trusting in the resources that will continue to show up, trusting that you're trusting out loud and you're disrupting and you're pausing is going to yes. bring you community like it has done for me. Like my community around unschooling was not physical until more recently. Like it was always yes. virtual, but it was enough 
as you said, mm-hmm. to kind of start with my own, like, why not? Like, what's going on? Why am I not starting this podcast? Why am I not right. writing about this thing? Why am I trying to write the shit nice when this is how the fuck I feel? Like, exactly. the more you trust that and the more you question in those spaces, the yeah. more there's this ecology around the work that will just show up and you will know it. You will know yes. it. And it and it is messy and beautiful. And that's why I love how you really just encouraged us to settle into the discomfort. Because that's what I hear yeah. you saying. Like, if you're trying to be comfortable in the shit, this is not... This is not the this work isn't, for you. This is not for you. And <laughs> that's totally fine. I mean, yeah. being comfortable has, you know, everything has its pros and cons. Everything comes with a consequence. And I'd much rather know going in that I'm choosing to be uncomfortable versus being oppressed and uncomfortable. That's right. Because I don't know where that's coming from. But like, I can't really get to the root of that. I don't have time to roll up to people or organizations <laughs> in that way. It's like, no, I'm choosing to be uncomfortable. And this is why. And if I'm feeling oppressed or marginalized, I can attack it from a way that I've opened myself up to acknowledge versus blindly going through with this naivete of what the world is or is not. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. Definitely coming through, uh, visiting the website. There's so much there. If you are about this life, but maybe you don't have children, but you know some families who are interested, you can always sponsor a family to be able to take advantage of some of the programming. I try and make it as affordable as possible, um, but things cost and that's Mm -hmm. what it is. And that helps keep everything running smoothly. Um, So if folks want to do that, they are more than welcome. If someone is representing a small business and our missions are aligned, your community members are definitely welcome to become an affiliate partner that not just highlights them, as a small business or organization, but also highlights the programs that are available through them. And then maybe some teaming opportunities. Uh, And then of course, sponsorship for the actual conference that over 70% of whatever sponsorship money that I receive goes right back to the families who, who need this the most. That's what it's about for me. I want to be able to support as many people as possible. So if there are folks out there who would like to make that happen, and bring this to the forefront for families who wouldn't necessarily have that opportunity, then reach out. I hope you enjoyed that conversation about racial equity in homeschooling. Of course, we just touched on some tiny bits, but if you can get to Malika's conference this year, you got to do it. If you can sponsor the conference this year, you got to do that and um, continue your de-schooling work. Speaking of which, I have three October tunities, three opportunities this October <laughs> to do some de-schooling work. One of them is for parents and facilitators specifically. One of them is for adults who did not choose self-directed education but want to learn more about it and want to support a child that they love. And then one of them is specifically for women who want to use these schooling work to better align with lives that make sense for who they are and how they flow. They're all web-based. So the first one is a webinar called Parenting Patois. The other one is How to Focus on Learning, a de-schooling guide for supporting the self-directed child. And I'll be doing that in collaboration with Dr. Sunjata. And then the third one is called De-schooling Your Way. That one opens October 6th and 7th. That one is actually a weekend intensive. It's web-based, but it's live, real-time. 
and intense. And that one I'm doing in collaboration with Asia Rutledge. The show notes page for today's episode will also have a link, or you can head over to my site, raisingfreepeople.com, and you will see a menu tab called Deschooling 2018, and all the details are there. All right, so if you are itching to do some de-schooling work and want some support around that, some community, some guidance with that, I got you. I got you in October. So make sure that you fill out the application for those. If you bought this life, here are some opportunities. <laughs> Bear of the Free Child is a weekly podcast that centers diverse narratives, insightful commentary, learning with our children and de-schooling ourselves. Owning our multiple identities and treating children with dignity. Creating community and sharing conversation from often silenced spaces. Breathing life into liberation practices proactively and on purpose. It's about parenting. It's about self-directed education, loving. It's about learning. 